As people are coming back in, and we're getting ready to start, I've got a disclaimer to say. One thing is that I don't have a lot of stories in my, in my books, so I'm going to tell the story about this quilt in a little bit, and I know that I've told it before, and some of you have heard it a couple of times as I've used it in illustrations, but it still packs a punch with the with the message of it. And I'm going to use a story I used three weeks ago at, at communion about the, uh, the lady at Dairy Queen. Again, because I don't have a lot of things to draw on. But I, I think that the way that I'm going to use them will be a little, uh, will be a little fresh. This morning I want to talk about witnessing. And I've, I've got to admit to you that uh, I'm one of the world's worst. I think we need to bring it, this morning I want to bring it to your attention because maybe it's, uh, we've got into the routine of life and we go about and do our things just like we've always done and I, I want to shake I want us to shake that up a little bit. I want us to pay more attention to opportunities that we get. The passage that I've chosen is rather long, and I'm going to skip through part of the middle of the story, but it's a story that you know very well. In John chapter 4, the first... Part of the story goes to down to about verse 19. And the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And this is where the story starts the Samaritan woman. Now, he had gone through Samaria, uh, so we came to the town of Samaria, Samaria called uh, Sychar. Uh, near a plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about noon, the heat of the day. And this is dry, desolate country we're talking about. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone on into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a, a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man that you are that you have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is Jerusalem. And Jesus said, Believe me, woman, Time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. The passage continues on a little further, and you can preach this. There's so much depth to this passage. There's different ways you can preach it, but what I want to look at is just the fact of how this woman witnessed this Samaritan woman, she met the very Jesus face to face. And what we see is that she went back into town and got her husband. And everybody else, evidently, that she could get her hands on and brought them back. Going down to verse 39, many of the Samaritans from town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many. He told me everything I did. So the Samaritans came to him, and they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. One person's testimony, one person's witness, and the whole town came to know Jesus. You know... I told you a story the other day 
about the young lady at the, at the uh, Dairy Queen, and she was ringing up my order, and she had a long sweater on, and she was punching in all the stuff, you know, and no tomatoes, and give me some french fries with that, you know. And her, her, her sleeve worked up her, her arm, and on her arm was a big tattoo all the way down her arm, and letters that tall. And the letters, the tattoo said, loser. That hit me hard. And in between my conversation with her, I told her, I said, honey, you're not a loser. And she pulled her shirt back down real quick and, and, and hurried on to, to shuffle me along to get to the next person in line because there was a long line. And I thought about that, and you know, maybe she was. Maybe she didn't know Jesus at all. How many people are like that now? How many people don't know Jesus? Maybe that's the only chance I ever get to see her. I don't know. But what if, what if I'd said something different? You think, what could you say different? Maybe... Maybe I could have introduced God in the conversation by saying that you're made in God's image. Or saying God doesn't make losers. Maybe we need to start adding God back into our language, our vocabulary. You know, I, I, I don't do that very often. You know, words like, if God wills. You know, God willing, I'm going to go do that tomorrow. Maybe God bless. There's a lot of those phrases that we could enter into our vocabulary. And when we use them, Watch. Watch for a reaction. See if there's an opening there. See if there's some kind of movement that allows us to go forward and tell them more about Jesus. 
You know, there's... You think about it, and I think about it, and I, I, I don't... Things don't come to my mind as quickly as they should. And what... I try to think about what, what can I do to make that happen? What can you do? And maybe you'll think of some other ways, but I, I thought of a couple here. And, and one is, I want to put in plug for reading the Bible daily. Our daily Bible program will start again, you know, January the 1st. And there is a, a faithful group of people that in this church that they go along with that program. And it's, it's neat because they'll make comments back and forth about what they've read. But it helps to keep the Bible fresh on our minds where we can spout out those things when we have the chance. Another one is to to stay, read up on the, uh, the parables. You know, sure, they're, they're told in Old English, and, and they're hard for some people today to understand, but we can tell them in modern words. But those parables, there's like 40 parables in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that, that we need to have on our hearts and on our lips. to use to witness to other people. As the, another one, this Samaritan woman, remember those words? He told me everything I did. Our personal testimony needs to be fresh on our minds to where we can use it. Tell the story of Jesus. This old quilt. It was belonged to my grandmother, Pearl Tomlinson. My sister gave it to me because she knows I like old things. And she's quite old, too. But, but that old quilt has a lot of meaning to me. My sister gave it to me. Her, our mother gave it to her. And my grandmother, Pearl, gave it to my mother. It was given to her as a wedding gift back around the turn of the century. See, it's old. But it's older than that. You see, this quilt was given as a wedding gift because it was a special quilt. It came from Lebanon, Tennessee, where our family came back from years ago moved down here. It, uh, 
It was sewn inside of a mattress to keep the soldiers from taking it during the Civil War. The soldiers would come through and they'd take the dried meat and the canned goods and they would, they would raid the farms and they'd take the blankets to wrap up in. They wouldn't mess with the mattresses as too heavy to carry. So that's how it was saved. There's not very many of them left in this world. That's over 150 years old. And when I pass from this life, Shannon will get it. And I'm sure it'll go on down the family for a while. I don't know how long it'll hold together. It's very delicate. You have to take care of it. But what's going to happen at some point in time, somebody is going to forget the story. An old mouse is probably going to get into it and, and eat part of it up, and somebody's going to think, well, this is just a rag, and it'll go out into a doghouse somewhere. It's a valuable quilt, but somewhere down the line, somebody is going to forget to tell the story. You know, when I was in grade school, our teachers asked us what kind of a Christian we were. And they was talking about Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or, or, or Catholic. Is what they was looking for. When, when it came around to me, they asked me and I said, I'm a Christian. And they said, yeah, but what kind of Christian? I'm just a Christian. I had to explain that I go to East McKinney Christian Church and that it was a non-denominational Christian church. And I didn't really know what that meant back then anyway. But I, that's what I told. And, and the teacher finally grabbed hold of what I was talking about. But nowadays, you know, that's been 40 uh, years, over nearly 50 years ago. We've been through two generations. What's the generation? It's 20 years, isn't it? We've been through two generations of people, and I'm not saying that school's the only place that you learn about Jesus, but we've seen the decline of people that told the story. When I was in school, teachers, you knew that they was Christians and they was free to talk about it, and they did. Nowadays in school, the kids don't talk about Jesus at all. And and I'm not saying that, you know, that's, that's where they're supposed to learn it. I'm saying that that's a, a picture of society today. We have a generation now that has not ever been told about Jesus. And that dirt girl at the Dairy Queen that had loser wrote on her arm, it's probably one of them probably doesn't have an idea 
of who Jesus is. This Christmas holiday season is just a holiday for her. The fact that we celebrate Jesus' birth is never entering her mind. We have to tell the story. We have to. No, no other way about it. Some people say, well, I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm scared. I'll mess up. I don't know the words, but I'm here to tell you, let's start off with the easy ones. Let's put God back in our vocabulary. Even practice on the Christians, the people we know, it's okay. I think we back away from it because we say they know Christ, so there's no need in that, that God is everything to them. That I don't need to tell them that God loves them. But you can. And they're not going to laugh at you and they're not going to give you a hard time. Matthew. Twenty-eight passage that you know more than anything else is probably the Great Commission. Jesus sent the eleven disciples. They went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. And surely... I am with you always. To the end of the very age. He's going to be with us. So we don't have to be afraid of being chastised. We don't have to be afraid of what to say. We just have to tell the story of Jesus. Read up on those parables. Join the Bible reading program and try to keep God's Word fresh on your mind.
and give the glory to God. Our dear and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he's loved us so much that he went to the cross and died for us. We just pray this morning that you'll remove the barriers that we have placed that keep us from witnessing for you. That you'll give us encouragement and love and maybe some, some easy people to witness to get us started. So we can tell the story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.